You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Genesis 28. In your own mind, how do you picture the setting for this incredible account? Maybe you, like I did when I was younger, picture a camping site. Jacob had just finished watching a beautiful sunset. He kicked back his feet, looked up to the sky as it grew darker and noticed more and more stars appearing. He had a little smile of contentment on his face as he drifted away into a peaceful sleep and then had this beautiful dream. If you're like me when I was younger, maybe that's the picture you have in your mind in regards to the setting of this particular account. But there is nothing in the greater context of these verses that tell us that that is what the setting was like. Oh, the setting may have been peaceful and beautiful, but Jacob's heart and mind most certainly weren't. I mean, really, how did Jacob get to this point? He's away from home now with nothing, only three days into a 500-mile journey. How did he get to this lonely point in his life? Remember, he came from a very wealthy family, and now he had nothing. Remember that he was a homebody. He was a, a mama's boy. He lived in a home where his mom absolutely spoiled him and loved him. And he loved it. And he loved her. And yet now we find him moving away from family, all by himself. How did he get to this point? From an earthly perspective, he had it all. He had wealth, he had a home, he had family, but now he's got nothing. How did he get to this painful point in his life, especially considering that he was a key component in God's plan of sending the world a Savior? Well, as it turns out, things were a mess back at home. Jacob and his mom, they loved each other, but what they had just done, they deceived Jacob's dad, Isaac. The birthright, which rightfully belongs to the oldest son and and belonged to, to Esau, well, Jacob and his mom deceived Isaac, and Isaac gave the birthright to Jacob. And as you can imagine, the older brother, twin brother Esau, was furious about it, so furious about it that he literally wanted to kill Jacob. Jacob's mom, because he, she loved her son, thought it would be good for, for Jacob to just move away just for a little bit, to just to let things cool down at home. Little did she know 
that Jacob would not return home for 20 years. 20 years. How did, how did Jacob get to the, this point, this painful point in his life? Well, a great portion of it is the fact that Jacob and his family were split apart by their sins. Do you know a family like that? It's painful. One wonders really how, I, how Jacob was even able to fall asleep that particular night. You can imagine all the different questions swirling around in his mind. What has happened to my family? Why did I deceive my father whom I love? Will my brother ever welcome me back? Will he ever stop hating me? Will I ever see mom and dad again? What would Grandpa Abraham think of this mess that I have made if he were still alive? And yet all of those questions aren't even scratching the surface of the the real angst Jacob was feeling that particular night. I haven't even mentioned the greatest source of his greatest doubt, his greatest fear. Why did I not trust God to handle things in his own way, in his own time, rather than getting involved with my deception? Yes, the the pain of of fear and doubt and and questions that, that were filling his mind that particular night. The biggest question of them all, what did God now think of him? God is the one who made the promise to him that the Savior would come from his family line. Would God withdraw his promises from him because of the mess he had made? After all, think about it, there Jacob is now all alone. No children, not even married yet. His particular circumstances in life reminded him of his specific sins. Now, there is a lot of pain in this world because of sin in general. One of the things we have to be careful of is not to try to make the connection between a specific pain and a specific sin. For instance, I cannot make the connection that I have a bad hip because I stole something from my parents when I was younger. We can't always make the connection between specific pain and specific sin, but sometimes we can The pain of a guilty conscience can directly be connected to the fact that I lied to my parents. The pain of a guilty conscience can directly be connected to the fact that I stole candy from a friend. The pain of a guilty conscience can directly be connected to the fact that someone maybe has been unfaithful to their wedding vows. We can't always make the connection between specific pain and specific sin, but sometimes we can. The fact that one is lonely in life may be connected to the specific factor that they have pushed their family away. The fact that one is lonely in life may be the result of them being selfish with their time and not fostering relationships with other people. Now, we can't always connect specific pain in life to specific sin, but sometimes we can. 
the pain of fear of God and the pain of doubting God can specifically be connected to the fact that we have sinned against him in countless ways. Can't always make the connection of a specific sin and a specific pain. Sometimes we can. The two great results of, of, of sin are guilt. What have I done? And fear and doubt. Can God possibly still love me? Can God still possibly love me? And in that way, life hurts. Even for the believer, even for the Christian, you know, especially for the Christian. But even that type of pain is a real blessing for us because it drives us to our Savior who we so desperately need. So from one perspective, we could say that Jacob ended up there all alone in the wilderness because, because of his sin, but God also had a hand in it by graciously pulling him away from that family setting, pulling him away to regroup, to be retrained and focused on God once again. In some ways, maybe it would be easier if we were unbelievers because then we wouldn't care what God thinks. We wouldn't have that guilt, right? But that's not who we are here. By God's grace and power, we are believers. We are Christians. We are those who in Christ have been redeemed, bought back, forgiven, restored. We are God's children. And as a result, we do care what he thinks. We do need that relationship that he has created with us. We need him desperately. But then in enters the guilt. What have I done to him? In enters the, the doubts. Can he still love me? Does he still love me? For uh, Jacob, maybe the, the real question that, that was going through his mind was, am I still a part of God's plans? His dad, Isaac, said, yeah, you're, you're still a part of God's plans, but could Jacob really be certain? But then he was able to finally fall asleep. And one would think that because of the circumstances, Jacob would have more of a nightmare than anything. And yet he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There the angels were coming down and going back up to God. Heaven was opened over Jacob that night. Heaven is opened up over us too. And God sends his very real and powerful angels to guard and protect us too, as the psalmist explains. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands. Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. But there was something else to the dream, right? Not only the angels, but standing at the top of the stairway, God himself. The moment of truth for Jacob. Finally, he was going to figure out what God thought of him. And this is amazing. Because there are no words of rebuke for Jacob. 
Maybe growing up, you remember those days where you did something bad at home? And then you were waiting in fearful expectation for mom or dad to come home? And then you hear the garage open up, and you hear them come through the door, and there you are almost cowering, and all they give you is no punishment but a hug and words of, I forgive you. That was the pleasant surprise God gave to Jacob. It's not that God was ignoring Jacob's sins. It just was that apparently his life circumstances were enough of a preaching of the law. So God, instead of speaking words of rebuke and, and walking out on the relationship, instead builds him up and encourages him, forgives him, loves him. He assures him that the land on which he is lying is still going to belong to his descendants. And imagine those words. There he is, all alone, not married, no kids. And yet God keeps talking about his descendants. The same promise he gave to Abraham, the same promise he gives back to Jacob here. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. That last part there is specifically the news Jacob was waiting to hear. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. The pain and the angst Jacob felt over his sins is replaced by the peace of God in knowing that he was going to keep his promise and send a Savior. What a blessing indeed. So I, I don't know. I don't know how you came to church today. I don't know all of your life circumstances. Maybe in some ways you came to church today in the same way we found Jacob at the start of our lesson today. And if we're honest with ourselves, maybe we're in that situation because we have taken matters into our own hands like Jacob did in his life on occasion. Maybe that has led us to believe that that we're all alone in this world now. But nothing could be further from the truth. Even though the devil will use our life circumstances to try to convince us that, that everyone's walked out on us and we're all alone, The same promise given to Jacob is the same words spoken to us. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. We're not all alone. In fact, I know you know this, but there's only one in history who has been all alone. Not Jacob, not David, not Job. No one here. The only individual in history who's truly been all alone is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. The words he spoke are words we'll never have to speak and never have. Only Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Words only of Jesus, not of us. Never us. Only him. I don't know, maybe you came here today, like Jacob, in, in other ways too. You, you have done something against someone and they are mad at you for good reason. 
and you feel guilty. And maybe the devil has created such guilt in you that you feel as if maybe God has even walked out on you. So what good is this dream of Jacob going to do for me today, Pastor? So let me point you to one other time in history where, again, there were the angels descending from heaven to earth. And it wasn't a dream. It really happened. It wasn't a vision. It really happened. The time in history where the angels descended from heaven to earth and brought the message to the shepherds, to the world, to you, and to me. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. How's that for good news to painful times in life? How's that for good news to those of us, all of us, who suffer from the pain of guilt and doubt and fear? God has kept his promise he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He has kept his promise that he has made to us and the whole world a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, check us out online at risensavior.us.